time for the Liz Calloway Show. You asked for it, and we got it. Now, 6 to 10 weekday mornings. Always local. Always live. Always right. Here we go now. Put the throttle down again. Here we go now. Put the throttle down again. Here's Liz and Nick on Talk 94.5. It is 9.07 on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Welcome to your Monday morning, October 30th. I'm so happy uh, to have on with us coming up next, and we've been um, you know, promoting it all morning long. Jason Rance is joining us. You've probably seen him numerous times on Fox News. He's a conservative He's also a radio show host in the Seattle area. Uh, good morning, Jason. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I, I see that uh, your book is out. It's called What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Um, and like many of our uh, fans uh, of this show, we always watched your reports uh, talking about the riots that were happening in Seattle and what you were witnessing firsthand and experiencing firsthand. Um, tell us... Have you seen um, firsthand anti-Israel or pro-Hamas um, marches in, in 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 the area that you have your radio show? Are you seeing those as well? Yeah, it's, it's out of control, and I think we're seeing it all across the country. Oh, yeah. that's what's all across most the world. Alarming. Yeah, I mean, and and think of it this way: these are our neighbors, right? These are mm-hmm. our our teachers, our doctors. These are the people who are in our community that up until recently, we never even thought it was feasible that anyone would come out and celebrate the death, the rape, the kidnapping of innocent Jews. And yet they feel so comfortable being out there holding these positions that they hold. It's it's truly alarming. So as it pertains to your book, because when you wrote this book, this wasn't happening. How, I mean, do you address this in some way? Um, tell us about your book, first of all. And, 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 and I'm, I'm wondering, like, what you discovered in writing your book or in covering the news the way you do. Um, are you not shocked that this is happening? Or, you know, are, is this even too far for what you thought could happen? I mean, it, it does take a lot to shock me. However, I was a little shocked, at least really? at the timing of it mm-hmm. all. Uh, So the the book covers the radical left and their impact on American cities. And there is a lot of similarities between the folks who have been marching and rallying over the course of the last few weeks, uh, along with the people who have been pretty much taking our major American cities and bringing it so far to the left that we're starting to see the destruction of them. I've covered many of the large cities over the course of the last couple of years. And what I was noticing was that pretty much the same script was unfolding with the crises that have been hitting them. We all know that there's a crime crisis. We all know that there's homelessness that's out of control, a drug addiction problem that's out of control. And yet, weirdly, at the exact same time, we are being charged more to live in these cities. Housing costs are through the roof. Taxes are out of control. And it doesn't feel like we're getting all that much for our money. In fact, quite the opposite. And what I noticed was it was the same policies inspired by the same radical left agenda that have been put in place. And while most people can understand that there's something wrong, I noticed that they weren't connecting the dots. Because I would always get the question coming from Seattle, which is, 
why did people keep voting for the same folks, right? Mm-hmm. Why are they yeah. putting in the same types of people? And that's the truth in a lot of cities across the country. Yeah. I'm originally from New York, and it's sickening to yeah. see what's happening. Why are you doing this to yourselves? Precisely. It's because I don't think the average person, including conservatives, truly understands some of the policies that they are giving the green light to. And if they're not able to understand the policies, they're not going to be able to hold someone accountable. Because folks on the radical left, they use language to their benefit. They manipulate. They are very misleading with the types of language that they use. And I'll give you an example. Right now, there's something in place called harm reduction. Harm reduction is a strategy Mm -hmm. that is responsible for the drug crisis. But do you think the average person could define what harm reduction is? Mm -hmm. Do you think the average person can even see it as it's being presented to them as the scam that it is? And I I would say no, because I'm surrounded by people who tell me that they would never be okay with giving tax dollars to pay for needles, to pay for crack pipes and fentanyl pipes. And yet that's precisely what they keep saying yes to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I just can't believe, like... In New York, they keep voting people in like AOC, and she's so outspoken, um, pro-Hamas and anti-Semite language, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, they talk about tropes and all this. And here they are. They were always complaining about Trump, you know, being a white supremacist and engaging or being supported by white supremacists. And time and time again, Jason, we keep finding that what they blame Trump and Trump supporters or MAGA uh, for is really what they're engaged in. And I feel like this is just another opportunity, just like Mike, you know, Michael Brown and just like George Floyd and all the others. These are just opportunities for this particular faction of America to rally these crazies into the streets for some other misguided mission. Um, This time, you know, it's not George Floyd. It's, you know, Hamas. And it it's like you, mm-hmm. you don't even it doesn't even make sense. But when you look at who's behind all these things, it does make sense. It's part of a plan. And that's what you always uncovered. Um, so are these people the same as Antifa, as BLM? They're just refashioning the message and conjuring up the same people. Yeah, for I mean, for the most part, certainly the people who are organizing Antifa and were behind a lot of those those movements that we've seen over the course of, frankly, decades, but really escalating over the course of the last two and a half, three years, they're clearly out there. I would argue that there is an additional element this time around where we have Palestinian Americans who are taking to the streets in numbers that they haven't before. And I think that that is the the unique nature of what we've been seeing over the course of the last uh, few weeks. But, I mean, you're certainly right that the organizers, the the activists who are very, very far to the left, it's not like they hid within the BLM movement, Black Lives Matter movement, their views on Israel. I, I like that all of a sudden some of the clips are coming up, uh, up of uh, Patrice Cullors demonizing Jews in Israel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this has always been there. Mm-hmm. And the, the folks who've been covering it for a while, we've been sounding the alarm. And what's what's truly alarming is that these people have already won some significant battles. They were able to put radicals in positions of power. In a lot of ways, we've all ceded the power to these folks. And it happened, again, it accelerated during the Black Lives Matter movement, although it's been here for a while. And they've already seen some significant policy wins. 
And that's what's dragging so many cities down and why it's spreading Mm -hmm. well outside of these big Democrat-run cities where it's impacting pretty much everyone at this point. And if they've won all the way up until now, why would we think they wouldn't win in their pro-Hamas activism? Right. We're speaking with Jason Rance, and you've seen him many times on Fox News. He has a radio show out of Seattle area. He's the author of the new book, What's Killing America Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. A lot of these cities house these, um, you know, Ivy League universities, and that is just a breeding ground for this type of thought. Um, I I, kind of think back to Charlottesville and Trump. Um, where he, you know, he said that there, I can see, you know, good on both sides and we know what he meant really, but, um, they tried to say, oh, he's siding with the white supremacists, you know, and KKK and then Kanye West brought that guy Fuentes to his, uh, you know, to the, to the Mar-a-Lago. And that was a big deal that he was fraternizing with the white supremacists, but the white supremacists are very anti-Semitic. (laughs) <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. and then they're going and and they're doing this whole thing, uh, you know, in support of Hamas. And then you have the vice president, Kamala Harris. And I just played clips this morning. You know, she's saying we can't conflate Hamas and Palestinians. Meanwhile, they're marching in the streets, conflating Hamas and Palestinians, because that's what they keep saying, that Hamas is uh, protecting Palestinians. The, if you if, people like us are are watching this. And we understand the dynamics, but most people, Jason, they're not paying attention to any of this. They don't understand. They don't connect all these dots. And even for me, it's so hard to say, how is Kamala saying one thing? The other thing is happening in the streets. Another thing's happening in Turkey, in Russia, you know, uh, and we're like stepping closer and closer to a third world war here. You're you're correct. I mean, and that's the part that I find so terrifying is that despite what you and I see and what listeners are clearly noticing, the vast majority of this country do not. And it's the same with how they were able to implement all of these policies that led to the crime crisis and homelessness and, you know, fill in the blank. It's because a small group of folks pay attention, and oftentimes they're the folks who are farthest to the left. And what ends up happening is, I, I certainly understand why people aren't closely following anything, right? Yeah. Because they've got lives, they've got Unplugged. families, they've got kids. <laughs> yeah, it, like I totally understand that. But by taking such a significant step back from paying attention and being involved and getting active within a community, we've ended up giving all of this power to the people who are abusing it. And they've implemented policy after policy after policy that has truly impacted our quality of life. And so at some point, folks have to realize that if they don't take a little bit more of a activist tactic themselves, they're going to lose their own cities. And there are going to be a lot of people who wake up one day and finally say to themselves, okay, you know what? Things are getting too out of hand. Let me see how I can help when it'll be too late, where their city will become San Francisco. And what you don't want to have happen is become San Francisco, which I talk about a lot in the book because it's... Mm-hmm. relatively inspirational when you think about it. These are very far to the left voters who said Chesa Boudin, the DA, is out of control. We have to recall him. They said that of three school board directors as well. So they clearly noticed that something was going wrong, that their city was going way too far adrift, but they waited too long because San Francisco is not going to fix itself within the next mm-hmm. decade. It's that far gone. 
And do we want that to happen to the folks who are listening right now, wherever it is they live? People think that these policies and these crazies, that they just stay in these big cities. We're not talking about Las Vegas. What happens there doesn't stay there. (laughs) What happens in these big cities, they spread, they go statewide, and ultimately they're going to be taken over countrywide. And we have to get in the way of that, and that's why I wrote the book. You know, Jason, um, I I can't help but listen to interviews of people that become community activists in Seattle, in LA, in San Francisco, and they're saying, hey, this is really bad. These drug dens are right outside our schools and these homeless camps are, you know, my kid has to walk through the homeless camps and dodge needles on the, you know, and they, and then they say, it's not that I don't want to help homeless people. We need to help them and they need to, I just listen to them and they sound like, Um, the Stockholm Syndrome, where they are held captive in these cities. They are brainwashed, and they then, like, commiserate or feel bad for the the people that are holding them captive. And that is the the homeless people, the drug drug addicts that are flocking to these areas because the policies are enabling them to continue their drugs or their behaviors and their their um their in inability to assimilate into what we're supposed to do as Americans like go to work and pay our bills and you know have a family whatever it is um they just want to live in the street or live in the vans or live under the bridges or live in their car like they want to they want that lifestyle it seems in many cases and i feel i hear the people and the activists com- like 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 saying, hey, it's okay that you're homeless, but not in front of the school. It's like weird for me to hear that. I mean, in where I live in the Myrtle Beach area, we'd be screaming our heads off saying, hey, policymakers, what are you doing here? You know, clean up the streets. Yeah, and especially when we're talking about homelessness because of what's driving the homelessness crisis. Mm-hmm. That's why I sound the alarms for folks who do live, in fact, in Myrtle Beach. I mean, this idea that you guys are going to be impacted in a significant way is wishful thinking, because everyone gets impacted by this stuff. Homelessness is being driven in this country by a number of factors. They all require slightly different ways to approach it. So we've got the homelessness crisis due to drug use, due to mental illness, and then you've got a smaller group, which is presented as the larger group, which is they're just like me and you. They were one missed paycheck away from landing on the street. That's really not what we're talking about for the majority of these folks, although they want you to think that so you don't say no to their far-left policies around drug use. But ultimately, what we know works, because it's worked for decades, is a carrot-and-stick approach, where you say you can't do this. If you do this, you get that. So if you're breaking the law, you're going to go to jail. If you are camping out in that space when we told you not to, you're going to jail. There's going to be some sort of consequence, because until you give them the consequences, they clearly don't see living out on the streets as either rock bottom, or we're dealing with folks who are chronically homeless, who have pretty much lost all hope. They don't think that they can ever get better. They don't think they can ever get into a home again. And so you have to approach those people without enabling them. And folks on the far left, they're enabling. These are people who pretend that it's stigmatizing to judge someone for being a drug addict who's homeless. Like, yeah, I want to stigmatize that behavior. I don't want to stigmatize the person. I want to help that person. The difference between me and you and folks on the far left, the radical left, they are enabling the same behavior that brought them outside 
brought them to this addiction to begin with. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones who have compassion, although they pitch what they're doing as right. compassionate. I know. They it's... talk about the, that, the housing first model. That's another bit of language that doesn't mean what people realize. And because people fall for the language trick, the rhetorical trick, people on the left, they've been gaining more and more power and they've been institutionalizing all of these policies. They've been putting them in place by either passing laws mm-hmm. or putting strategies in place and already committing tens of billions of dollars to it. And so at what point do people start to wake up and say enough is enough? They have to know what's going on. Well, it's happening in New York City don't. when they have yeah. this right to shelter law. And now they have, a, you know, they're clearing out uh, hotels and hotels are getting paid a lot of money to house these mm-hmm. illegal immigrants. But you have to call them migrants. And then, um, you know, you have to you have to accommodate them. Um, it, it's just really becoming to to a point where the like the people in Staten Island, they stood up to um you know, but that was primarily a Republican borough of New York. But it what does it have to come to? I mean, for people to wake up, I mean, are they waking up in certain cities? Have you seen any indication? I saw a little so, pushback in New York City. A little. Yeah. Well, Chicago as well, they've been pushing back. And I think you actually hit the perfect example of what it takes for some people to push back when it impacts them personally, mm-hmm. when they see it in their own neighborhood and they themselves find it that they can no longer ignore it. So Chicago is a great example of this as well, that all of a sudden you have people stepping up and saying, whoa, 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 you're giving away our senior center and our rec center to illegal immigrants. What about the people in our own community? And so once they were personally impacted, that's when they decided to step up and say something. Immigration is one of those issues where yeah, it's too far gone for a lot of these cities, right? You're not going to get rid of all of a sudden millions of people. But what you can do is understand that the border crisis is one that impacts absolutely everyone and you can demand better policies. You have to know what the policies are to begin with. And for how long did we have a wide open border, it seems, where virtually no media outlet outside of conservative talk radio and conservative media on TV were covering it? For how long? I mean, this was going on for the first two and a half years yeah. of the Biden administration, right? Mm-hmm. And so h- how are people all of a sudden saying something? Well, because they didn't realize it was happening. And now, they relied on local media. They relied on left-wing media. And all of a sudden, they realized that they were being lied to. But there are ways around this. There are ways to address the issues. You just have to know where to look. You have to know what kind of language to decode on the radical left. Because, again, this is all being done with the name in, in the name of compassion, yeah. right? We have to allow these people to come here. They're seeking asylum from from horrible places where they're really abusing the asylum process. And they're coming here. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's so ridiculous. (laughs) But we know the language that they use. So if you're able to decode it, Mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier to push back. We're speaking with Jason Rance, the author of What's Killing America Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Um, Just one more comment that I'd like to... Uh, just run by you. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, the governor of California uh, meeting with President Xi. I, we saw the big trip and fall on the basketball court. Did you see him take out that poor Chinese <laughs> kid? Jeez. And then we heard that there are tri- uh, Chinese nationals uh, illegally uh, getting into the keys of Florida, um, you know, and we know that 
nobody from China does anything without the Chinese government's uh, approval. We have the governor of uh, Arkansas um, banning Chinese um, nationals from buying up land uh, in the state, and we are hoping that other governors follow. What do you make of China's hand in all of this, in the destruction of our cities. We saw what happened in Hong Kong with all the, you know, the American flags uh, and then all of a sudden COVID. So, so I, I still blame those um, marches in Hong Kong for COVID being unleashed. I feel like they China unleashed it on purpose to shut down those Hong Kong protests because um, that was really, you know, democracy you know, uh, raising its head in China and they had to squash it. And so, uh, you know, what do you think, what do you make of China's involvement in, you know, having places in our universities and all of that? Do they have a big hand in this radical left push in our universities and cities? It's not that they have a big hand in fomenting it, they take advantage of it. And that's what China does, right? So China is very clearly an enemy of this country. Their government is not compatible with our own. They've got spies in this country. A lot of them are working at the universities where they're getting access to information and research. They're manipulating some of it, and they're sending it back to China. We we already know that. And we, of course, know what they're doing with copyright and with our uh, intellectual property rights. We know that there's a clear and direct threat and danger that people are already aware of and are looking for. It's how they take advantage of what's going on from the radical left that's the most alarming. And you you mentioned Arkansas. I mean, you can go, uh, this was, I want to say, like eight years ago in British Columbia, Vancouver. They passed a law that basically said, we're cracking down on the amount of foreign purchases of our properties. Some of them were being purchased because it was cheap and they were creating investment property. Others because they were going to send their kids to colleges in the area, so they were just getting ahead of the the housing market. And what it was doing to folks on the ground was obviously picking up all of the supply. It was creating a larger demand. It was driving the prices up. And so they're doing that in this country as well. They're doing it with farmland, which is particularly dangerous when we're giving up our agriculture to a, an enemy country, and it, it's been going on and no one's really been paying attention because it's one of those things where, number one, it, it's usually not top of mind. Number two, it does seem weird on the surface to say, we're not going to allow a certain group of people from purchasing land. But it makes total sense from their perspective and from our perspective of why we would want to prevent it. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the housing crisis is being driven by folks in China, foreign investors, who are buying up our supply, and it poses a direct threat, particularly when we're talking about farmland. Jason, uh, I appreciate um, you writing this book. Look forward to reading it. And uh, before we let you go, has the CHOP zone in Seattle ever recovered? So CHOP is no longer there, but the neighborhood is still just not doing well. They want to pretend that it's doing great because these are this is the neighborhood where a lot of the far-left activists live and hang out, so they like to put their heads in the sand. Ironically, there's one piece of chopped jazz that still exists, mm-hmm. which is this silly garden 
that the city just announced that they're going to tear it down finally and put oh. asphalt over it because it's in the middle of a park. And so now all the BLM activists are up in arms. This is racist. This is white supremacy. It's like, shut up. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's great speaking with you. Uh, Jason Rance, author of What's Killing America? You can find it everywhere books are sold. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. I appreciate it.